welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I will be your host for this evening or this afternoon or this morning or whenever you happen to listen because after all it is your podcast. Joining me today is, um, it's, I was going to say it's a man but it's probably the man who has taken the cardboard world by storm in the last couple of years with the uh, some of the content and creations that he's putting out there. Um, it's a gentleman by the name of um, Isaac Childress. You might have heard of him. Um, he did a, a game called uh, Forge War, and he also has done a new game called Founders of Gloomhaven. But he's probably probably best known for Gloomhaven itself, which has proved to be a behemoth that's grown arms and legs, as well as its own legacy system along the, along the line. So... Um, hello, Isaac. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, hello. Uh, happy to be here. It was, uh, <laughs> it was quite flattering. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, mm. you know, you know, I am completely. I don't know. I was saying to you, kind of just before we started, I was like, I'm a little bit nervous. I don't kind of get usually quite kind of quite nervous. So, for people who haven't um, listened to the show before um thank you for joining us uh, the reason that we do this is because well apart from ourselves and apart from um unlucky frog gaming we're you know we're pretty much i think the only podcasts out there that are dedicated to board games and we're the only scottish podcasts out there that are dedicated to board games and the other reason that we do this is because um i like speaking to creators i like finding out their motivations i like finding out their stories how they got into the hobby um just things like that so i took a leap of faith and i asked isaac and isaac said yes and isaac's here so i'm <laughs> very grateful for that um do you want to maybe start off by telling us a little bit about kind of how you got into the hobby to kind of begin with sure uh let's see here so I've uh I don't know I've I've played games throughout my life like not serious hobby gaming but you know yeah um I remember uh when I was a kid like sitting in a room by myself like playing Monopoly against myself I would just roll dice like all day yeah. and move pieces around and I don't know something about it was interesting to me uh, maybe... <laughs> Did you win did you win a lot <laughs> Well, yes, I, I won and lost in equal measure. Well, that's pretty good. A good fifty-fifty <laughs> split. Did you play this rule that people are for some reason going crazy about, which is the if you land on a if you land on a property and you don't buy the property, then it's meant to get auctioned. Um, apparently, now by the banker. This is something that came out over the last couple of days, and apparently, the internet is going on fire about Monopoly. <laughs> Um, I was not aware of that rule at the time, but but yeah, no. I've heard of the rule <laughs> since then. But yeah, yeah, it's become like an internet phenomenon. I mean, I can never think of a time when you landed on a property and didn't property and didn't buy it, though. So. Yeah, unless you didn't have any money, and then yeah, I think it's maybe one of these things that's kind of blown out of proportion, and everybody's going, nobody's, everybody's been playing Monopoly wrong, and it's like, the real <laughs> players of Monopoly are saying, nah, we, we knew, you just, you know, you go back to your, you go back to your own version of Monopoly, we know, the, we know the real kind of, the real kind of truth. So were you, um, did you have brothers and sisters when you were growing up that you played with, or were you kind of like, 
an only child yourself? So. Yeah, I had an older brother and sister, um, but I don't really remember playing games with them much. Playing games was was more just my thing, I guess. <laughs> and how did you move on from that? I mean, did you kind of stay with the board game stuff, or were you moving away and kind of doing other things? I mean, I, I mainly played video games when I was growing up and throughout high school and college. I mean, uh, <clears throat> I would play board games occasionally. I remember getting into like uh, Axis and Allies uh-huh. in in high school at, at one point. Uh, we played that a lot. Um, you know, so just games in general are, are always good. I've always enjoyed a good game. Uh, I guess mm-hmm. the the problem with board games, uh, at least early in my life, was that they just weren't very good. I mean, not that Axis <laughs> Knowledge isn't good, but it's uh, you know, they're they're uh, they're just more about like rolling dice and and seeing what happens <laughs> than uh, making any real decisions. The Axis and Allies fans are currently screaming <laughs> at you at the moment. It's just like Burning. the strategies in that game are so played out. Or I don't know, like the original, you know? It's like you do this and you do this and you hope that the dice go well for you. And if okay. they don't, then you lose. But it takes like, you know, six hours for you to lose. So <laughs> It's like drawn out pain. Oh, I'm going to get the Axis and Allies people after us as well. <laughs> what, what kind of video games were you into? Uh, I really like role playing games, um, right, okay. like Fantasy Star, and uh-huh. uh, I was like a Sega Genesis kid growing up. Wow, so I, yeah. I had Fantasy Excellent. Star and Shining Force. Um, Did you ever play the Immortal at all? Oh yeah, which was yeah, yeah. It was like um, sort of like a more more puzzle game where you're going through like different floors and you can just there's so many different ways to die. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, and you had I to remember out how not to die over and over and over. Yeah, especially the last boss because you had about five or six different spells, oh, and yeah. I end up. Yes, do I ended exactly up... the right order. <laughs> I ended up having a bit. You didn't have the internet in those days, so you actually had to go and find a magazine or an article or something like that that actually told you how to beat. The immortal. It's not like nowadays. I don't even know if there was a phone line you could phone up, but there was a certain order because yeah. you faced off against this kind of dragony demon bad guy, and you had to use certain spells in a certain order. But the um, the combat was cool because when you went into combat, the screen blacked out because so it was only you and the other guy. Yeah, and then you had a choice of defending, or you had a choice of kind of like a kind of like a. T- I spent far too long it was pretty bloody yeah <laughs> it was different yeah. ways of kind of kind of killing people i think well, um, other games yeah, yeah my i think i borrowed that game from my friends and then like, he knew the proper sequence so i think he just he told me and i didn't really have to right. spend too long on that final guy i well i remember like constantly calling him up because like it's full of like puzzles and you just have to do like random things in random places um so yeah. i'm always like calling him up like how do i get past this part <laughs> There was a part, I always remember there was a part where there was a distinct kind of pattern on the floor that you had to follow, otherwise there was some kind of little, it was almost like a miniature sandworm from June. Oh, yeah. It would just reach up and <laughs> grab you, and then it would eat you, and then it would spit out your skeleton <laughs> out the other side or something like that, so that was so that was kind of yeah. that was kind of cool. The part I remember the most that was like super frustrating was like in the first level, you get mm. to the end and you have to like hold up this medallion to this light to like open the staircase. 
Yeah. But, so it's like, do you want to hold up the medallion? You're like, yes. And then it's like, do you want to read the description or the inscription on the medallion? You're like, sure, why not? And then you die because <laughs> you like read this ancient, terrible inscription. And it took me so long to figure out, okay, I just hold up the medallion, but then I don't actually read it. And then that's what opens the door. <laughs> it was like, what was it? Um, was there not like a text adventure where, um, and this will really age me, but there was what you remember the 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 text adventures used to go get, and I don't know if you're. This is when I am showing my age. We used to like go go north, and then used to type in instructions. And there was one for the Hobbit. There was one for um, there was one for the Hulk, and you started off the game in a room in a chair, um, tied to the chair. All right, and you had to get out somehow, but. <laughs> folk just quit on the first room because you're actually meant to type in bite yourself <laughs> so you turned into the it's like you had to type in bite lip and because you bit your lip hard enough then you turned into the Hulk but the number of people that never even kind of got out the kind of got out the first the first room was there any other games that you kind of played like that then I mean did you stick with the Genesis or did you move did you ever did you ever go I mean you you must have did you not get hold of a SNES um, or a Super Super Nintendo, sorry. No, yeah, no, I never owned a Super Nintendo. I played, I ended up playing a lot of Super Nintendo games in college because, like, one of my roommates had one. All right, uh, okay. or or just like when emulators became popular, was which was around yeah. college as well. And then I I go back and play old Super Nintendo games, like all the old Final Fantasy games. Yeah. Um, but no, like after Genesis, I was one of the few people in the world who bought a Sega Saturn. Um, really? And there are actually some really great games for the Sega Saturn as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Was it um, Nights into Dreams? Oh yeah, I think. Was, yeah, that was a great game. Um, there was that. They also did. They were pretty good at their beat 'em ups as well. Um, and uh, kind of oh yeah, Guardian Heroes. Um, yes. was a really great beat 'em up. That's still like and, yeah, just a fantastic <laughs> game. And actually, I would say, I don't know, I don't know if we want to transition to Gloomhaven <laughs> at some point, but I would say like. The, like the <laughs> the fine. vast number of branching paths in in Guardian Heroes, like every time you beat a level, you'd have like a decision on what to do next, and there were like seven different endings to this game. Yeah, um, I, I would say that was an influence. But anyway, we can go back to talking about video games. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Well, do you know, I mean, we could just spend the next hour not talking about Gloomhaven. <laughs> sure, I'm fine with that. <laughs> like, no, that, yeah, exactly. You must have talked yourself out. It's like, yeah, okay, let's have another talk about. Gloomhaven, um, no, <laughs> no, that's not that's not fun. Um, did you transition? I mean, you went Saturn. Did you go Dreamcast? Um, I by that point I was in college, and I did have a right. my roommate got a Dreamcast, and there were some good games for the Dreamcast as well. It was like um, I was trying to think of one recently. But I think it was called like Bengayo. All right, okay. um, like where you're, it's like a you're like this little ship like flying around blowing stuff up. Um, but it's just like the gut, it's like this weird, like Japanese sense of humor. Like everyone's yelling at each other and it's great. And like when you blow <laughs> stuff up, like it turns into fruit and then like the, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was really weird. <laughs> we'll reach, we'll reach out to the internet. If you're listening just now and you know what that game is that Isaac's talking about, please tweet at us, tweet at us and I, uh, and Isaac and, and let us know what game we're kind of missing out. I remember, um, Ikaruga. Oh yeah, that which was, uh, came, oh, which was just, that was GameCube, <clears throat> right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, 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 yeah. Eventually. Yeah. 
did you? That was that was pretty good. When did you move away from, you know, blasting aliens in outer space to kind of like starting back on the kind of the cardboard side of it? When did that kind of happen? Um, at some point, I think it was actually in grad school. Like when I was starting out in grad school. Mm-hmm. No, it was before then. No, yeah, before then, like, Settlers of Catan started sort of getting popular, um, you know, so this was, you know, early 2000s, I guess. Um, so I think, you know, they talk about the war on drugs, but they really should have a war on Catan, because <laughs> I, I think that game gets into more kind of educational establishments than... Than marijuana does, basically. <laughs> you know, well, yeah. I think that's what you think that's what California should have done next. Yeah, by all means, you know, um, you know, look at the route of decriminalizing certain parts of <laughs> cannabis, but certainly criminalize Catan because I think that's that's one that's spreading like a wildfire and it seems to be unstoppable. Well, you know, I was I... <laughs> I was sitting in America and all I had was was like risk and and access and allies, oh, yeah. right? And so, um, <laughs> you know. Catans or across the ocean, and it was it was the only thing around that was that required any amount of thought. So, yeah, people said, latched onto you, it. You sitting at a party and somebody went um, Catan, and you went, no, no, I don't, I can't. I'll go on, just you know, just try. It. <laughs> oh yeah, I've, I've definitely been in that situation <laughs> where it's like people really want to play Settlers of Catan. There's nothing else to play, and I'm like, oh. I, I, no. okay, I guess I haven't played it in a couple of years. I guess I'll sit down and play it, and then I always regret the decision. <laughs> it's like, why can't I roll fours? Why can't I ever roll fours? I'm I just really like on the best sheep. spots on the board. Like, I should be winning right now, but I'm just not. <laughs> I'm just sitting there and going, yeah, stone. Brilliant. Thanks. Anybody want stone? No. No. No stone. Do you want stone? You've asked me for the last six rounds if you want stone. And you said no, that's no good, right? Okay, what about you? Do you want a sheep? <laughs> yeah, I can see, I can see that. But then, of course, there's some people that what happens is Catan, you know, their experiences it is like the drug scene. They they try a little bit of Catan, it doesn't always agree with them, and then they 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 decide they're never going to touch any other cardboard again. Mm. But then there's other people that once they move on to Catan, they go. That was quite good, but then they get bored of Catan, and then they move on to obviously stronger cardboard. This is the worst analogy ever, but I'm running. With it <laughs> I hope, I hope you're running, running with it as well. Um, I just, I can't understand at this day and age like why people are still into Catan. Okay, um, you know those people who like play Catan and then never play anything else. They just like play Catan every week for the rest of their lives. Those are the people I don't understand. So so far, we've done Axis and Allies crowd. Okay, we've just <laughs> yeah. Who else can we piss off? We've just annoyed. We've just annoyed. We just annoyed the Catan people. Um, anything about Car- Carcassonne? You maybe want to say? <laughs> um, I like Carcassonne. I haven't played it in a while. I remember uh, Gen Con a few years ago. I participated in like the national Carcassonne tournament. All right. And whenever I play Carcassonne, like it's usually friendly. Like I, I just sort yeah. of play nice and play to have a good time but man those people were cutthroat um and i sort of i sort of caught on after a game and like so i lost my first game and then won the rest of the games because i'm like oh okay this is how you play carcassonne competitively you just are just a dick like every turn (laughs) (laughs) 
you do everything you can just to block the other person. Um, and but yeah, so I didn't win because I lost that first game. Did you flip the table as you went? No, no. You did, didn't you? You actually just went right. Well, that's it. I've had enough of you. Whoomph, and walked off. And <laughs> pushed past the Catan people as you went. Your game's rubbish, Catan guys. <laughs> I'm just saying. And you know, I mean, took the lunch money off the Axis and Allies boys. <laughs> Became the scourge of Gen Con. Quick, there's Isaac. <laughs> Hide your sheep uh, and your corn and your stone. So, <clears throat> when where'd you go next? I mean, you're playing Carcassonne. You've tried some Catan. Yeah. You yeah. kinda like it. And then you get uh, a feel for it. Yeah, and then at some point I discovered Board Game Geek. Right? And so you sort of discover Board Game Geek, you go to the you know, the the rankings page and you're like I think like Puerto Rico was number one at that point and then there was like Power Grid and Agricola, so I went out and bought all those and uh had a great time. Who's number one at the moment? Uh Pandemic Legacy. Is it? Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. I thought it was you guys. No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's climbing He's up there. Like arching, arching your fingers. Not this week, but next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, like it's shooting up surprisingly fast because uh, the Kickstarter fulfillment is happening. Oh yeah. Um, so like every day, it's got like another point oh one. So it only needs like I don't know. <laughs> 14 more .01s to take over Pandemic Legacy. Something so if like you that. haven't Not that voted, I'm counting. then... Well, you're counting. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you know what the next Founders of Bloom, Gloomhaven kind of announcement's going to be. <laughs> guys, guys, vote for us. Go on. Go on, you know it makes sense. But um, <laughs> you got to watch out because there'll probably be people that have said I I would vote, but I can't. I can't move my arms after lifting the gloom here. <laughs> but we'll get we'll get round to that in in due time. But um yeah. Just to say I don't think I've ever seen so many pictures of a board game next to a child <laughs> comparing the size <laughs> comparing the size of a board game to a child and you're wondering, have they altered the perspective in this? Have they actually put the child further in the background? <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> you could you could effectively put the baby in the box, yeah, <laughs> that's another thing. So you went out, you bought, you bought Puerto Rico. Yep. And and was this kind of like a watershed moment for you? Were you like, wow, board games can be different? Um, I I don't know. It, I mean, it's not like Settlers of Catan is awful. Like I I enjoyed <laughs> Settlers of Catan in the day and. Puerto Rico, yeah. I was better, but I, I wouldn't say it was like a, I don't know, a watershed moment. Like it was, it was just uh, you know, by progression, you know, just keep getting deeper and deeper, and it wasn't, you know, like like boiling a frog. It wasn't, it wasn't just throwing the frog in boiling water. It was just like slowly over time, I I was cooked by board games, <laughs> <laughs> baked. I think <laughs> the phrase you would use. Um, is there any games that you look back on with kind of like fond memories that you kind of still play on a regular basis yourself? Oh, that I play on a regular basis. Yeah. Not really. I don't have much time to play games. I mean, I play games like once a week, um, but it's usually yeah. like whatever is new. You know, you gotta okay. you gotta keep up on on the hot trends and all that. But uh, 
I mean, I would I would like to play Agricola more. Agricola is still one of my favorite games, um, mm. and that was yeah. I played. I think it was Puerto Rico, then Power Grid, and then Agricola, and then yeah. By by Agricola, I was definitely hooked. So you're a favor of a heavy Euro, then? Is that kind of more of your jam? Something where you've got stuff to do and there's a little bit of thought behind it and forward planning and stuff. Yeah, yeah. The more thought and planning, the better. <laughs> Because Power Grid will bake your noodle. Yeah. You know, it is the it is the epitome of of lovely, beautiful analysis paralysis where you can <laughs> kind of get in there and you can be like, ah, coal! And then that's it. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a little too much math involved in that game. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't have a problem with it, but it's like when other people can't handle it, you know, it's just like, you're like, okay, just take your turn already. It's been 10 minutes, just... <laughs> How many coal do you want to buy? Just, just make a decision. <laughs> Isaac Childress, aggressive board gamer. Who knew? <laughs> Come on, stupid. <laughs> you should call your just power station the stupid power station. <laughs> How about I just take your turn? Because we might get get out of this place this evening, Okay. You're gonna lose anyway. You're never gonna win with that kind of setup. Come on, just give me, give me my turnover and let me. I'm gonna buy this, then I'm gonna get that, and then I'm gonna get that and convert it into that. Thanks very much. This is how it's gonna be playing out. Yeah, I've, I've so, been uh, I've been known to be an alpha gamer, so I I may have on occasion told people how to play their turns in in uh, Power Grid. Oh dear! <laughs> it's like what you want to do is just just buy three coal. Just buy three coal. That's what you need. <laughs> Then you'll have enough money to do this other thing and buy the you know the three connections you need in the next round. Like I've already done the math for you, just just do it already. Just, yeah. <laughs> get off and then get off my porch. Yeah, people generally <laughs> don't like that though. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when do you take? When do you go from playing games, bullying people, um, saying nasty things about Catan, Allies versus Axis, Carcassonne, um? And then think about, you know, actually, I could potentially, if I'm going to kind of be nasty to people when we're playing board games, I'd <laughs> like to potentially be nasty to people over my own game because I can change the rules to however I want and tell them that they're wrong all the time. So when did you start? That was exactly the motivation, going? yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the plan? Have you got like a plan of, okay, do our first board game and then on the other side of it, at the far wall, there's you sitting in a hollowed out volcano with sharks that have got lasers <laughs> that have got lasers on them and you're laughing maniacally in a cardboard throne kind of thing. <laughs> is that the kind of journey? Founders of Gloomhaven and Gloomhaven and Forge War, this is just a cunning ruse. This is world domination that we should be looking out for. Oh no. I don't think I'm I don't think I'm organized enough to, to take over the world. <laughs> And I might, I might not yeah. be hateful enough either. Yeah, I suppose. No, no. <laughs> but no, I mean, anyway. what, what made you think? I didn't know. I'm just letting you know. I'm just letting you dig your own pit here. Um, <laughs> what? I mean, what made you think? Turn around from going. Okay, I can actually do something with this. Can, let me get a piece of pen. You know, a, a pen and a piece of paper, and let's you know see if we can invent maybe something myself book kind of things like that together i mean we're you know how did that kind of come about um yeah so uh you know around the time i was you know playing agricola and all that sort of stuff i 
eventually got into like Kalis and, and other games that were high yeah. on the list at the time. And uh, at that point, it was just like uh, getting together with my friends, like maybe once every month or two, you know, like, oh, when can mm-hmm. we schedule the next game day? You know, it'd be on a weekend and, um, you know, and then we play these same games over and over because that's all we really had or knew about. Yeah. Um, and then uh, at some point, I guess maybe six years ago or so, um, I got involved in a weekly game group just um, through the the website meetup.com. Um, you know, I just discovered that there was like a board game group that met every week um, yeah. that just got together and played games. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. Like I can play games more often uh, with new people. So I started going to that and that just vastly like increased my exposure to games. Um, You know, so like every week I was playing something new and I was playing them Mm -hmm. more often and uh, really just started to sort of invade my brain, I guess, to the point where um, I had to make, my own game um so like i always try and like have some sort of creative outlet for myself like so before i discovered board games um you know i was playing like dungeons and dragons as well was a big thing so i would like dm D D groups um so I, yeah with my friends or uh i started getting getting into like programming like programming video games uh, which was a lot more work than I wanted it to be. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a great programmer, so like I was more interested in you know designing the games and not actually doing the code, which is the important part. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I just want to make a square. I just <laughs> right, want to exactly. make a square, and then you're like, "Hang on, I can just get a piece of paper and draw a square. Yeah, I don't have to do any of this y-axis, x-axis rubbish." Yeah, so I had I had lofty goals about creating like this, you know, vast RPG with like this really cool story and all these really cool characters, um, you know, exploring dungeons and and all that sort of stuff. Um, Did you have a name for it? Um, I think it was called Gathering Storm, which I think is like really? now the name of a board game that's about to be released. If I'm, I, I thought I thought I saw that somewhere on Board Game Geek, but it was original at the time. I thought. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it was pretty cool. It was like about like this monk. I don't know. If I summarize the story, it's going to sound stupid. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, what's the monk's name? Um, Stormbringer or something. No, I think you got to name him. Maybe he didn't have a name. All right. Okay, cool. Okay. Nameless protagonist is good. Yeah. Or he was like some sort of like monk shaman. And uh, there's like this weird tower that sort of came up out of the ground. Like all of a sudden. Uh-huh. And he had to, yeah. like, figure out, you know, why it appeared because it was, like, started destroying everything. And so he wanted to stop it. But then, it, like, it turned out that, um, like, his, like, the the dark half of his own, like, mind was actually controlling the tower. And so he was fighting against himself the whole time or something like that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> like I said. So how far, did you, how far did you get with it? Did you get? Did you get? Did you start programming and go? Oh, I mean, I actually got like a working prototype together, which is kind of the kind of ironic thing. Um, I, I went, I like sat down and, and did all the work. Like it was going to be like a first person sort of thing. Like if you've ever mm-hmm. played, um, I don't know, 
mostly Genesis games, like the the original Fantasy Star or yeah, um, uh, Shining Shining in Shining the Darkness. Force. No, Shining in oh, the yeah, Darkness, yeah, yeah, yeah. like that sort of first oh, person yeah, okay. perspective where you're like oh, moving right, okay, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I got all that done so you could actually like navigate like a maze that I created that you could easily create, you know, with a, with like a, an array of like a binary array. Um, and then I started working on like the menu system and the combat system and actually got it to a point where, you know, you could actually play it like fighting against monsters and attack them and cast spells and stuff. Um, but it was all just like, I had never programmed anything before and everything was just like the extremely broken like code that I just sort of like slammed together and, and sort of worked most of the time. And yeah. Um, yeah. And just like every little thing that I did, like every little thing that I wanted to add, like just took like so much time. And so I, you know, eventually drained me of all that sort of energy that I had to, to create. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever thought about going back to it at all? No, no. I mean, no, that's just <clears throat> yeah. At, at this point, like coding is is not for me, and I know that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think like after that, I decided okay, I'm going to work on like a a simpler game. Um, yeah. So I designed like this little puzzle game uh, that was called Lazy Robots. Oh, okay. And uh, the whole premise was you had like these was it uh yeah i think there are three different robots and the whole goal was just like to move boxes around in specific patterns like they were working in this factory and their boss like wanted them to move these boxes around but they wanted to do it like in the most Mm. efficient way possible Mm. so it was was a puzzle game where you you had to figure out like how to move these boxes by spending the least amount of energy um, so like you could move boxes together and that would be cheaper than moving them by themselves or the other, there was like a box, there was a robot that moved them around and then there was one that just like rotated them. So, yeah. and then there was one that like teleported them, which was, um, like extremely, it th- took a lot of energy, but in some cases it was the best thing to do. Um, okay. but anyway, it was a lot of fun and I more or less finished that game. I never like published it or anything, but um yeah why, why didn't why didn't you publish it i don't know because it was not it wasn't like fully complete hmm. and it also like i get sort of embarrassed about it you know it's like i don't actually want to show this to the world because it's not perfect <laughs> yeah. it's sort of <laughs> uh it's a problem i've i've had like my entire life is like if if i can't make anything if, if i can't make something perfect then i then i don't want to show it to anybody you know yeah um, yeah, it's very hard for me to just, to like go out and just like do something <laughs> like in, <laughs> in public, sick. like where I might, yeah. it might fail in front of everybody. Oh, that's a... So that's why so, I never, yeah. <laughs> you should, I don't know. I think one day you should, you should, there'll be, there'll be software houses that would probably give you lots of money. <laughs> oh no. These are like just simple that game. flash games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so after I, I was working on that for a while and then I started getting into to board games and, uh, so uh-huh. then my creative energy, once it sort of petered out on those projects, uh, went into making board games. How many did you make? How many, I mean, how many did you go through scrap? I mean, did you do that? I mean, from what you've said, 
did you go right okay so he does this and then he moves this and you manage these risks and no this isn't going to work and then you put it to one side and then you started something else or were you quite focused on a set number you know you're quite focused on a set game from the beginning you know I mean was that was your first effort was that anywhere close to kind of like Forge War or were you working on a couple of different things and one of them became Forge War no that was the surprising thing is really the first thing that I worked on was Forge War Okay. And um, sort of the concept just came to me all at once. Like I, you know, had been playing lots of board games and they just sort of coalesced in a unique way in my head. And I was like, um, yeah, I think this this could work. I'm going to pursue it. And it ended up working out. <laughs> <laughs> because do you want to explain, I mean... Do you want to explain a little bit about Forge War? I mean, we I mean, we were talking before we started, and we said, you know, the first time that we, me and Colin, talked about Forge War was way back at the beginning of our show, and it yeah. was meant to be episode three, but we never got it played. So I think, I mean, this was like a year and a half ago or something, and I remember <laughs> us publicly, public, publicly saying, yeah, we're going to be playing Forge War, and then we're going to do an episode about it, and then publicly apologising <laughs> to you on Twitter <laughs> to say, sorry, Isaac, we didn't um, play the game, we'll put it on the next, we'll put it on kind of like the next episode. But yeah, yeah. It, um, for people that have that know you from Gloomhaven, but, ha- <laughs> but haven't... <laughs> But haven't we are going to actually not talk about Gloomhaven the whole episode? <laughs> Me and Isaac spoke before, and you guys have had enough Gloomhaven um, for to last year for a long time. Um, but um, for the people that haven't or aren't aware of Forge War, um, do you want to ex- give a kind of quick rundown about kind of what it's about? Sure. Um, so it's a very long game, and <laughs> the, <laughs> uh, it's a it's a heavy Euro. Um, about um, going into a mine and collecting minerals and resources and then using those resources to forge weapons, then giving those weapons to adventurers who go out on quests, uh, and then they complete those quests and give you points and more resources that you can sort of plug back into your engine and just, uh, yeah, keep keep killing, killing monsters and getting points. Um, and there's no war. There's no war. There, there is no war. That's true. Um, <laughs> I, I chose the name for uh, alliterative, alliterative purposes. You know, I thought it sounded All cool. Right. Um, that's yeah. that's my defense. <laughs> I, I don't think you have to defend it because obviously you went. You know, it's like you're talking to me who's never actually done a Kickstarter. <laughs> she just say, "Shut up! Come on, get funded, okay." People have it. People play the game. It's a real game. People enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, it's a real game. I made it. You know, how many games have you made? None. Okay. <laughs> well, I've made lots. <laughs> you know. <clears throat> um, it's kind of interesting because what I found with, when we were playing it, and I'd advise of people that haven't played it before, and I know I'm not just being sycophantic and being nice to you because you're on the show, but it's kind of a nice little kind of modular game where... To learn the individual parts of the game are very, very simple, but then it's that next stage of once you've learned the individual parts and how they interact with people that becomes kind of very, very interesting. Because there's a yeah. lovely, was it, there's a lovely kind of like the first section with the mine where you've got like your overseers 
who are looking after the workers and then they're able to claim a certain amount of um, resources. But they do like a, a hop, they do like a jump yeah. over the other workers to turn them in. And then that gives you your resources and then you can use your resources to um, to make certain things to so you can get plans to make weapons and then you can make those weapons and then you use the weapons to give you enough strength and defence to go and make sure you can match up to win a quest. And it takes a reasonable amount of time to play, but it's not... I I didn't think it was that heavy in terms of heavy brain-busting Euro thing. It kind of surprised me the components are quite... The number of components were quite daunting. Yeah. But once you played it, once me and, was me and Colin and Stuart played it, and once we were playing it, we were like, well, this is actually a nice, not relatively quite straightforward game to just get through. Kind of everything kind of clicked, kind of clicked together. But it must have been a, a complicated game to kind of put to kind of put together I mean did it take a long time to go from the first ideas into the finished product did it go through kind of lots of iterations and things like that uh, yeah yeah I mean the the first sort of prototype that I created what mm. I mean was like pretty similar in terms of mechanics mm. you know I mean there there was always the mind part which functions at least similarly, like throughout all the iterations, I made some refinements. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was always you know this abstract uh, spatial game of of moving these overseers around and jumping over workers and getting resources for how many of them that you jumped over. Yeah, uh, and then the quest system, and and that I mean, so the whole economy of of you know collecting these resources and then turning them into weapons. That, which gave you power for these quests that sort of resolved over time. Like that was all in the initial setup. Um, the the length, so I believe it or not, was was decreased significantly from from the first iteration. <laughs> I think there used to be like <laughs> ten rounds per age instead of six, so it lasts about twice as long. Because <laughs> it does have, actually have in the box where most boxes have like you know sixty minutes to an hour. This has got. Tuesday through a Thursday. The side of it. <laughs> you can finish but tomorrow, or you can finish next week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Take, just says, just you know, make book some holidays. Um, you're going to be a while. Um, but you know, obviously in Gloomhaven, you obviously learned from your from that mistakes and decided to make a much uh, shorter game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's good fun. I mean, we we had a lot of fun with it. Um, we it's always one we've got to get kind of get back to the back to the table again because it's the components were all nice. The board is magnificently huge. Um, yeah. The worker meeples are fantastic because they've got they've they've got mustaches on. Them, yeah. <laughs> so you've got these mustached workers who all have whips. So they're basically like the bad guys in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> something, like that, yeah. <laughs> something like that um <clears throat> but um but you you put that out on kickstarter and it went ahead and it kind of it funded you know there was a um it funded to a decent level yeah were you were you surprised 
when you kind of, you know, because that was still back. Kickstarter hadn't, it was getting there, but it wasn't the massive, massive explosion that it seems to be at the moment. Yeah. Were you quite surprised of, of how, you know, it got there, it funded? It seemed to fund really just really quickly, you know, relatively quickly, quite well. Um, it was interesting enough a game. So were you surprised with how, how, how well it did? Yeah, definitely. Um, so at the time, you know, I was sort of one of the first, like, sort of bigger, like, heavier, like, component-heavy Euros that, that went on Kickstarter. You know, you had a, a lot of, like, card games or or maybe, like, mm-hmm. simple Euros. Um, or, you know, more, more like, gateway-level Euros, like... Uh, like like Stonemaier games, um, yeah. and so yeah, I was really concerned that you know the market wasn't there on Kickstarter for like this really heavy involved like you know game that took a long time to play, um, and uh, I mean the the main point of surprise came for me like the day before the Kickstarter launched when uh, Richard Ham of, of Rotter runs through like sent me his his review of the game like his his preview that he had shot um mm-hmm. where and he's he's the whole reason that i funds that i funded um you know because mm-hmm. he just went crazy for the game and you know said yeah. it was like the best thing he'd played all year or something like that and uh and i i sort of leveraged that quote to its uh <laughs> highest potential <laughs> And uh, I think it actually it took up about three quarters of the actual campaign screen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, because he was a a Kickstarter tastemaker, and so yeah. yeah, he he funded the project pretty much by himself, and ended up being like four hundred percent funded by the end of it. And <laughs> he did. It's actually got the biggest font <laughs> that you can get on Kickstarter. <laughs> This is easily the best game of the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it is in the biggest font you can get. That's amazing. <laughs> you weren't kidding when you said that. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it went on. I mean, it, it, as I say, it funded It funded really quickly. And I think the fascinating thing about it was, yeah, you were right. I mean, I remember looking at it at the time and thinking, this is different from what, you know, from what else was, was kind of seen. I mean, at the same time, there was things like The Captain is Dead was out there. Um, heavy steam was another one. Um, um, they were they were out. That was a fairly kind of kind of um, heavyish type game. But um, I think yeah. I mean, when I saw it, it, I think it looked different and it looked really really meaty. And that's kind of what made me think. Oh, I'm kind of interested in in chucking a buck at this. And he's uh, kind of weren't weren't wrong. I mean, did that. <clears throat> How was the fulfillment and stuff like that? Because it seemed, again, it came out when it came out, arrived. It was, you know, was there any kind of production things that went on with that? Or was it pretty pretty plain sailing? Um, I remember it just taking like a really long time to to finish all the the graphic design Uh and and all of that um, in order to actually get the file sent to the printer. So I think... If I remember correctly, like it funded like in uh, maybe like May or June, I think it was June. Yeah. And then I was telling people, yeah, it'll be out by you know September, October, or something like that. And then it ended up coming out like uh, the following 
April or something, May or April or March or April. So it took like about 10 months, I think, to fulfill uh-huh. um, when I was promising like half that. So, you know, I mean, that's part of Kickstarter and I'm still dealing with that with, uh, <laughs> with Gloomhaven, but, um, but yeah, it was, I remember that just being sort of a, a significant problem. Uh, it was mainly because like we had gotten done most of the graphic design uh, with another graphic designer, and then he sort of uh, left the project like during the Kickstarter, like oh, well, nice. Yeah, it was like when I needed him most to to do a bunch of graphics. <laughs> like he just sort of disappeared. Um, All right. <laughs> I mean, he was he was a, a friend of my wife's, and like I still I still know him, but he just got really busy. Um, oh, uh, like yeah, it was just he got busy. Yeah, you know, he had a real job, and um, yeah. Yeah, couldn't help as much as I needed him to help. And so I found another graphic designer, and then we ended up sort of like redoing all the graphic design, uh, which was great. Like it ended up looking a lot better. Um, But yeah, it just, it took a long time. It was stressful. Once I got to the printers, though, I remember, I mean, there are always things that go wrong. I can't remember what went wrong on that project. It's not a Kickstarter if it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not a successful Kickstarter. It's like, how did it go? Smooth, easy. Yeah. Now that's, you've not done Kickstarter. Yeah, I remember like the European have... <laughs> fulfillment was like really bad. I don't remember why. Oh, and then, oh, and then also all the international fulfillment too, like the company like didn't package the game and they just like sent it out in bags or something and it got like just horribly beat up. Oh, no. Um, yeah, so I learned some lessons. There were problems with my next project and I learned some more lessons and it's, you know, it's a constant (laughs) learning process. (laughs) So, I mean, you go from a game which is, you know, people would say it's, you know, it's slightly complicated, but it's good fun. People, everybody, okay. Earlier this evening, I put a tweet and I said, okay, let's... You know, ask. I have Isaac coming on the show. You know, to ask me some questions. I think the question that that um, comes up again and again and again and again, and yeah. I think the first the first person that asked it, and it's the most cliche the most cliched question in the world. But it was okay. um, <laughs> it's a, <laughs> it's it's just how Isaac, how did you, how how does your brain work that you managed to kind of like you got you know I. I put down a piece of paper and I'm lucky if I can draw like, you know, five fingers on a hand. <laughs> you obviously you obviously put pen to paper and there's just you know, it's like almost rumple stiltskin. You're just like there's this gold kinda of coming out because that's what people seem to be asking. Just how did he manage to do it? What was I mean, you obviously you'd fulfilled Forge War, there were things that you had to get sorted out. So what made you think, actually, see the next one? This is going to get bigger. Let's go bigger <laughs> and more complicated. I mean, did you did it start off like that, or did it grow arms and legs? Um, in terms of you know what happened with Gloomhaven. Um, yeah, it grew arms and legs in a certain certain extent. Like I never expected it to be that big. I knew I wanted to go bigger. I knew I wanted to to make something. Uh, I I guess. What I say sometimes is, is I want to I wanted to make something that people couldn't ignore. Uh, 
<laughs> was that what the box that, that's like was? My... <laughs> have you got was that is that a sort of my, that, my business my chest? business policy is, is make things that people can't ignore <laughs> right so i made i made forge war and it was a big game you know it's like it weighs seven pounds which is a lot like it's, it's, a, it's a small giant giant. Game. it's a it's a newborn baby so what did you do decide you moved up from newborn baby into toddler right <laughs> That that is often what my wife calls Gloomhaven is is our baby, <laughs> it's our child that we made together over a period of two years. <laughs> but no, like when I made Forge War, um, you know it was a, it was a reasonable success on Kickstarter, and hmm. it was released, and it got some good reviews. It got some not so good reviews, and then it was more or less forgotten. Um, which is just sort of the nature of the hobby at this point. Like there's so many games that come out. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just hard to have any sort of lasting appeal. I mean, the, the initial print run like sold out and I immediately tried to do like a second print run. Um, but by the time that I had got that produced and sort of back out into the, into the retail, like people had mostly forgotten about it. And so, um, you know, I'm still trying to, to to sell all the copies of that second print run that I made, uh, but anyway, uh, so obviously. That, I, so where can you where where can you buy Forge War if you do want a copy? Um, I mean that's a good question. I mean it's just it's available for distributors to buy. It's just like whether distributors and retailers actually want to buy it and put it in their store. Um, mm. Which, I mean, which it has seen like a bit of resurgence now because of the success of Gloomhaven. Like I I do yeah. have retailers like stocking it just because like you know it's the same designer so like oh we don't have any gloomhaven but you can buy this other thing this guy made maybe that'll be the same i don't know exactly. <laughs> can i can i sh- can i show you something in um, in light orange and red instead yes you can. <laughs> <clears throat> do you have a ponchon for miners with mustaches and whips <laughs> um yes i do <laughs> can i interest you in this um oh it says war uh, don't worry there's no war um, it's <laughs> It's fine. No, but that was, as I say, it was Mike Barnes, a friend of the show, who asked the question, you know, how do you even start designing something like Gloomhaven? He he actually uses the words masterpiece. So Um, you just, you start small. Um, Yeah. Right? So I decided I wanted to make a a dungeon crawl. And Mm. so I just made a, a single dungeon and four characters and just you know, saw how it went. And, um, you know, after some refinements, it it went pretty well. And that just, I sort of just kept building on that, on that single, single thing just over and over and over until, you know, I weighed 22 pounds. (laughs) But that's, but that's, you know, that's, but there's the intricacies behind it. I mean, as you're, I mean, as you know, if you looked inside your head, is it like you kind of when you see kind of graphical representations of how a brain works with neurons and stuff, and there's just things flashing over, but an awful lot quicker? Because this isn't a board game, Isaac. This is like people are like waxing lyrical about how amazing this is, but at the same time they're saying, "How how did you make that?" I mean, you're saying, "Oh, we just took a couple of guys and we just built upon it." That's people just don't build games like Gloomhaven <laughs> otherwise every game would be Gloomhaven. Well did is it you, you is it was it back to you saying if I'm gonna be putting something out there, 
I wanted it to be perfect. Did you keep reworking it due to maybe doubting if it was good enough that you needed to add all the extra bits on? Did that play into it at all? I don't know. It's just I like I wanted I wanted to make the game that I wanted to play, and what I wanted to play was you know this epic campaign that um, that like fulfilled people like it wasn't just you know play it 10 times and then you're done you know like that Mm -hmm. there was that it felt like there was like a real narrative to it and you could make real choices and i i don't know i guess it's as as silly as this might sound it's it's like no one told me that i couldn't right it's like like you say that the people like not everyone makes Gloomhaven because, and and I mean I guess that's true, but I I don't see why they couldn't. Like yeah, uh, I think it might just be because people didn't realize that it could be done, right? That you could <laughs> that you could make a a board game of of this size. Um, and I don't know, maybe play, that sounds silly, yeah. but it's like no. what, what I think about is, I mean, you've got people playing like Dungeons and Dragons, like across the world. And you've got amazing DMs who come up with just brilliant campaigns, like far more brilliant than anything I could come up with. Um, yeah. But they just do it for, you know, the uh, their group of friends. And and they're and they're satisfied with that. And that's that's wonderful. Um, and I, well, I mean, what I wanted to do was was like make a and d campaign that the like I could that I could give to the world. I mean, as as stupid yeah. as that sounds, but you know, it's just like, no, I, I, you know, I, I ran D and D campaigns and I, and I've always felt like, ah, oh, man, I wish I could share this with more people. And so that's what I did. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I had some backgrounds, you know, in, in making board games from my first game. And so like, I had a little bit of exper- experience there. I don't think mm-hmm. I would, I I couldn't have ever like started with Gloomhaven um cuz there were just some fundamental lessons like not only about like manufacturing but also just about design that I needed to learn first. Yeah. Um but yeah, other than that, it was just you know, that little bit of a board game experience combined with, you know, the beauty of Kickstarter and that you can you can make whatever you want like as long as there are enough people that also believe in it. And so, you know, I made this ridiculous thing and I put it up on Kickstarter and people seemed to agree that it was awesome. And uh, then I spent, you know, another year and a half uh, making it. When did you, um, when did you first start to realize that this was actually getting an awful lot of attention? When was it you, when was there people you started to realize that actually, there's a lot of people talking about this. Was there? Did you get more people asking for to speak to you to interview you? Were there people asking for potential review copies? I mean, when was it? When was it you went? Oh, we're I've actually maybe made a a thing that lots and lots of people are kind of really talking about. Yeah, it was sort of weird because um, I mean, while, yeah, while the success of the first Kickstarter was was great and. Uh, mm. But yeah, it it was then like a year and a half more of development where I had like, 
you know, pre-orders slowly coming in, you know, I'd get, you know, a handful of pre-orders here and there. And that was great because I needed more money uh, yeah. <laughs> to, to continue to, to fund this thing and, and get all the copies printed that I wanted to get printed. But um, it wasn't until like maybe a month or two before the game was actually in stores, I started sending it out to reviewers for, you know, like their, to make sure that they had the time to play it um, to, yeah. in order to get their review up in time for when it was actually released. Um, and then when the buzz started to just build up like surprisingly fast, like around that, like people started like reviewers, like, like man versus meeple and drive through review and, and yeah. Paul Grogan has uh, of gaming roles has always been a huge, huge supporter of the game as well. And they just sort yeah. of all started talking about it and like the, you know, this is, this is amazing. This is groundbreaking. Um, and it's just like the, the level of like buzz and hype just, just went like through the roof from there. And I remember like getting a call from my distribution broker who like handles all my distribution you know, handles yeah, all the sales yeah. and he's like, so how, like how many of these did you print? Like, cause I need a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> um, you yeah. know, at one point, you know, he, he, you know, he tells me, which has sort of become infamous on, on board game geek, right. That like, you know, he's, we've got like 2000 copies available for distribution and he's got, um, you know, like 25,000 orders. <laughs> Um, you know, so he's only able to fulfill like 8% of the orders that he has. Oh, and I'm like, goodness. and we were, we were both just like <clears throat> dumbfounded. We were like, uh, I guess we need to print more, <laughs> but like, this is ridiculous. Like it's, it's never, never happened before. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just mean, that level of buzz that just went crazy. That's sort of when I realized that this was going to be like bigger than I expected you know i always expected it to do well but i yeah. never expected it to do as well as it actually did <laughs> paul actually paul grogan from gaming rules he's asked us a question anyway so it's a good time he says um he'd like to know when the gloomhaven tea towels are coming out right uh yeah so we've got a whole merchandising line that uh, i'm working on <laughs> Uh, includes tea towels and <laughs> normal towels as well, not just tea towels. That's good. Uh, good maybe good. some some Cragheart plushies. My my wife is is really into that. She wants to see some Cragheart plushies made. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's you know it's uh, I don't have the time to do it now, but uh, you know it's it's in the works along with with everything else. Okay. Yeah. So are you? Are you um... I mean, on the back of that, um, are there plans for a lore or art book for the world of Gloom, Gloomhaven? That's from Ron Fraser, who is Animus Maelstrom on Twitter. So thank you for your question there, Ron. Um, so the thing about art books is um, if we can offend more people. Uh, yeah, let's do that. No, yeah, I just I don't care. It's been, it's, it's been 25 <laughs> minutes. You don't care. I don't. I don't care about art books, and I. I sure. I understand that some people care about art books. I've always sort mm -hmm. of ran my company with the idea of, of I'm just like selling things to myself. If that makes mm -hmm. sense, like I'm just making stuff that I want. Um, yeah. And I don't want art books, so it's not really a priority for me. Um, maybe that's the wrong that's okay. way to run a business, but that's yeah. sort of 
um, what I've been doing so far. Uh, no, I mean, like, I think like an art book or, or like just a book of lore would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I always, I don't know. I always just feel weird about doing stuff like that. Cause like I'm a board game designer. Like I'm here to make board games. Um, and if I, if I'm like selling you other stuff, like, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm, uh, exploiting people in a way. If I'm just like trying to sell them, like upsell them on stuff like oh you can get this board game but you can also get this t-shirt like it's like uh <laughs> and remember <laughs> remember the balloons and the cups for the kids right yeah it's you're doing balloon you're, you are doing gloomhaven balloons but you're calling them balloon haven so tell me you're doing that <laughs> balloon haven. no that would that would... Fuck, what what <laughs> No, okay, yeah, that can be added to the merchandise line. <laughs> Yay, yeah. Balloon Havens are coming out. Balloon Havens. <laughs> um, Havens, right and down. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, even like metal coins, like stuff that I just don't find necessary in board games. Like yeah. I just, I feel weird about selling it, you know, because like mm. I want to sell people games. Like that's what, that's what my focus is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe at some point there might be a book of, of lore and, and artwork. Maybe if I, if I ever get over that hang up uh, and there, and there is once I create like more artwork and lore for people to look at, like, I think that'll be interesting, but mm-hmm. no, no plans currently to, to give you a long winded answer to that question. Okay. Okay. Um, Kenny, who is the player to the left that's at player to the left says, what are the retail plans for Gloomhaven's second print run? Right. Yeah. So that's a big question that everyone is interested in because those who, who weren't in on the second Kickstarter uh, are now, or just missed it, you know, for whatever reason now want to, to get yeah. the game and they want to know how. Um, so uh, we're still figuring it out. <laughs> Is what I can say. Like there have just been a stupid amount of delays um, uh, through the manufacturing company, and it's just been incredibly frustrating. It's basically been the number one pain in my backside for this entire year. Is just how slow this manufacturing company is being. Um, so you know, we're getting all the Kickstarter copies out. They're they're currently shipping out all the retail copies. Uh, we yeah. did a sort of distributor or sorry, distributor pre-sale. So like we're sending copies directly to distributors okay. yeah. um, based on those pre-sales. Uh, and it's like a lot of copies, like 20,000 copies or, or more than that. Um, like it should be enough to cover demand. Um, and so I, I don't think people should worry about like not, finding a copy once it actually hits retail like that shouldn't be a concern like so so it shouldn't be like you know what is the exact day that it's coming out in resale because if i don't get it that day it'll immediately sell out like i don't think that's going to be the issue no um i think the the issue is going to be getting it back to your car right exactly that's going to be one yeah the, like, why didn't you just buy it on kickstarter well. and it gets shipped directly to your door and you don't have to worry about that sort of thing <laughs> Getting sued by shopkeepers who've put their back out trying to move their five copies of Gloom. <laughs> <laughs> You've caused subsidence in my building. I'm suing you, Mr. Childress. So, but yeah. Anyway, like the, the deal with the retail pre-order, though, is that like 
uh, in order to be fair to all distributors, like we have to wait until every distributor has their copies before we release them, um, yeah. which has been another pain because I don't know, like the shipments got got turned around, and so like we thought they would all be going out, but then there's some like big ones who still don't have their copies yet. So anyway, uh-huh. uh, it's it's just a mess. Um, but I mean, it's just a mess of timing, not necessarily like a logistical mess. I mean, what I'm saying yeah. is that when, when the time comes, which uh-huh. we're not sure what it will be, unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to be in time for Christmas, which is the biggest disappointment I think to people. Yeah. Um, but when those copies all arrive, um, then it'll be available and we're still figuring out when that'll happen. Yeah, but it's not going to be a surprise if you got it for Christmas anyway, because you'd be able to guess straight away. Because, you know, I can't see the tree. What's that? (laughs) (laughs) Where's my child? I mean, have you seen, I know we said it earlier, but have you seen the multiple many pictures of, like, little kids next to Gloomhaven? Yeah, yeah, they're they're the best. Yeah, like the the children in in the boxes is, is, I think, the best. Exactly. Also the cats, cats in the boxes. Yeah, cats, dogs. Elephants, right. um, you know, small families. <laughs> um, Rob Rouse at Loud Blue Peg says, and he's shouting at us. Uh, he he says, shouts. That's all he does. Word on, the, word on the street is Isaac cheats at Terra Mystica. I don't even know if that's his voice. I'm just making it up. Is there any truth <laughs> to this? And he's asking for a friend. Do you cheat at Terra Mystica, Isaac? Uh, no, I, I okay, don't. Uh, <laughs> um, there you go no yeah you go, I would Rob. just I would like to point out uh, once again to, to Rob Rouse um, it's not Terra Mystica but, but we played the Gaia Project at Essen uh, uh-huh. you know a month or two ago and I would just like to point out to him once again that that I actually was playing under a handicap so it was like the reverse cheating in that game and I still beat him <laughs> <laughs> so Rob there you go there you go you've just been served there you go. <laughs> um, moving on, Johan Lindgren, who is at um, Jolengren. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Is it is it true that the name of the Gloomhaven world is Planet Bob? Right, so I think that was a thing on Board Game Week earlier this oh, week. Aye. People were uh, trying to figure out the name of the world or just you know mm-hmm. coming up with weird guesses like Planet Bob. Uh, so yeah, the, uh, slightly embarrassing truth is that I, I don't have a name for the world at this point. I haven't, I haven't had to make it. Maybe that's like the first peep, the first thing that some people do when they start creating a world yeah. is they name it, but that's uh, not my yeah. style. Um, just, yeah. I'm waiting for something to come to me and, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So Boba is then, um, <laughs> could <laughs> Um, Taza and Dados, uh, Tazi Dados, at Tazi Dados says, "Could we see a translation to other languages in the third edition?" That's a big ask, isn't it? I mean, that's a lot of cards yeah. to go through and translate. Yeah. Um. So I am talking to a couple publishers about uh, localizations in different languages. Um. There hasn't been a lot of progress, and um. But yeah, it, it'll happen eventually. I can't tell you when it'll happen, but you know, I mean, there's 
there's the demand out there and there are definitely publishers willing to take on the project. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's mostly just a matter of, of me, um, putting in the time to make sure that everything, you know, is done well, like up to my standards, right? Because everything has to be perfect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, would you con- would you consider kind of handing out parts of? I mean, one of the questions that we've got is do you, which is um, Bryce Garrett, um, Bryceer underscore twenty nine says, do you have any plans to expand 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 gloomhaven? <laughs> Do you have any plans to expand the Gloomhaven universe? Why wasn't I able to say that first time round? Uh-huh. Um, I mean, would you consider kind of handing out kind of ideas and people going away and actually producing games based on that? Or are you, I would like to keep an eye on what's happening with this IP? Um, right, yeah. It's it's my baby. And uh, yeah. yeah, I'm not ready necessarily for, for a babysitter yet. It's not it's not old enough. Uh I don't know where that analogy went, but anyway. Uh no, yeah. I I have definite definite plans to expand the universe obviously. I mean, we were yeah. already coming out with Founders of Gloomhaven and uh yeah. the you know, the actual expansion to Gloomhaven is uh a well-known secret at this point. Not yeah, not really a secret at all. Like <laughs> it's I not announced really it secret, on Twitter. Is it? And, and is it? I mean, let's face it. When you started the conversation, and I could see you on Skype, you were wearing your "Here's Gloomhaven's Expansion" T-shirt. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So it, yeah, there there will definitely be more things for Gloomhaven in the future. You just have to be patient because uh, yeah. it takes time, and yeah. uh, I've got a lot of other stuff to do. PvP rules is something Def Juck is asking about. Have you considered creating PvP rules or scenarios? Well, so I mean, there there was PvP promised in the original Kickstarter um, yeah. back when I thought that it was a good idea, um, and they it it just it didn't work. Um, like the the classes weren't balanced for PvP mm-hmm. like at all. Yeah. Um and so it, it wasn't I I didn't feel like PvP was the reason people would be playing the game and so I didn't I didn't want to put the effort and and however much extra components it would have taken to to make it work. Um mm-hmm. and I still don't really have any interest in in revisiting that. Uh some people have sort of made their own pvp rules on board game geek that you could probably search out um basically it would it would require uh like rebalancing a lot of the classes um like changing a lot of their abilities to make them less powerful and changing their initiative values uh you know lots of stuff so it would basically like be an entirely new deck for each character class which I'm not really interested in doing, but maybe somebody will take it upon themselves to, yeah. to do it. Well, that's a lot of work. And um, the last question that we have, um, is it legitimate to use a combo with the cards and a st- to never get it? And that's from Def Juck as well. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, the answer is yes, but that is a spoiler, which some people get really freaked out about. So maybe okay. maybe in post you can just like edit out the word of that class that you just said. I think I've got. <laughs> we have. 
Yeah, thanks, man, for like imagine doing that. You just spoil it for you. Oh no, yeah, you'll you'll get um, people angry at you if if you left that in. I know, I don't want that. I mean, let's face it, we've already angered the Axis. Oh yeah, we don't want to we don't people. want to eliminate like the one fan base we have left, which are the Gloomy fans. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, I mean, let's put Gloomhaven to bed because I mean it probably sleeps in a full-size bed um and yes the size jokes are going to keep coming but you went on to do founders of gloomhaven which um surprised people um i think um it surprised a lot of people that had maybe missed out on gloomhaven and then jumped in on founders and and kind of got a a completely different um flavor of a game kind of altogether was it in was it important when you did Founders of Gloomhaven that you were aiming for something which was pretty much a lot different from what you did with Gloomhaven? Um, was that the aim in mind? Did you say, right, bit of a clean sweep, let's do something different? Was that your thoughts behind it? You know, after I, you know, I have lots of, you know, since I started designing and I designed Forge where like I come up with lots of ideas and uh, most yeah. of them aren't good, but uh, some of them are, and I pursue them, and then they turn out to not be good. And, you know, it's a, a process. Mm-hmm. Um, and after it was like the week, or I don't know, it was it was very soon after we like were done with Gloomhaven and like sent all the files to the printer. Um, I sort of finally had, had more time to to really start, you know, focusing on another design and... Um, this new idea just sort of came to me and I was really excited about it and uh, decided to run with it. And uh, that's, that's where founders of Gloomhaven came from. Um, So yeah, and it wasn't, my design process isn't like, I want to sit down and make this. Like I just, um, you know, I just like these ideas just sort of come to me usually because of other games that I'm playing, uh, you know, whether they're board games or video games, you know, just sort of take inspiration from everything I experience. And then my brain naturally sort of turns them around and, and says like, how can we make a board game out of this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, this idea for this sort of logistical uh, board game uh, came to me and, and yeah, so that's what I decided to work on next because it was interesting to me. Uh, yeah, so it wasn't necessarily a matter of like, let's do something different from Gloomhaven. Mm. It was just like, yeah, this is really cool. Um, how mm. can I, how can I, you know, develop this? And also it was important to me though to like put it in the world of Gloomhaven, which doesn't have a name. Um, Bob. Bob, yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, just because I, I am interested in sort of expanding upon that world, um, and, you know, telling different stories in it. So, so yeah, became the founders of Gloomhaven. And it went on and it, I mean, you, you did half a million dollars. Right. Yeah. That was pretty great. I mean, would you, after the back of Gloomhaven, were you kind of like, well, it's going to do okay but was that yeah. the kind of the figure you were thinking about or was it, did it massively kind of, you know, did it achieve expectations or did it do less than what you expected? 
Uh, it was really hard to gauge, right? Because it's such a different game. Like I'm like, yeah, you know, Oh, I, it was pretty soon after I had done the second printing Kickstarter for Gloomhaven where, um, you know, we had like 40,000 backers. Um, <laughs> it was, it was silly. Like, uh, um, but I, you know, I had no idea like how many of those people would follow me to this, you know, completely different game. Um, and I, you know, I also like didn't want to trick them into following me. Like I tried to no. be as clear as I possibly could that this is a completely different game. And just because you like Gloomhaven, you're not going to like this. Yeah. Um, no, I remember Rad, I remember Rado doing a video and on his roundup video about founders of Gloomhaven, he specifically said, you know, he almost warned people and said, listen, this, if you're here for Gloomhaven, this is not what this is kind of thing. Yeah. Um, even though he was kind of praising it, he was kind of warning people to say, "Check out, you know, watch the video, look how it plays," because this is, you know, this is a completely, this is a kind of a completely, completely different kind of offering. But people stormed in, and um, yeah, yeah. I, so, I mean, I was expecting maybe, maybe a, a couple hundred thousand, you know. Yeah. So yeah, like a few, a few thousand backers. Um, so yeah, I think it definitely did uh, a lot more than than I was expecting, uh, which was great. And for people that haven't, um, can you still can you still get hold of a copy of um, of Founders if you haven't if you haven't pledged? Have you got any kind of late pledges going on? Yeah, yeah, you can you... still um, pre-order it. Um, like if you go to the Kickstarter page, there's a big button yeah. right at the top. Uh, that pre-order link is still active. Uh, should okay. still be up. I don't know for another month or so. Yeah, what's the what's the kind of the elevator pitch for founders then? What would you say to people if they're looking for you know what would they expect from founders of Gloomhaven? So uh, founders is at its heart, it's a, a tile placement city building game, um, but everyone is sort of collectively building the same city, uh, and each player controls different basic resources. Uh, and you have to work together, like use other people's resources, um, and which are just like these tiles on the board, and and combine them um, to create more advanced resources, which are going to earn you like lots of points when you connect those buildings up to other buildings out on the board. Um, so, I think the main draw of the game is the sort of you know the 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 spatial aspect of it, and sort of the you know the the deep planning and all that 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 is involved in in sort of creating the city um but also just the high a uh, high level of of interaction between players of uh, especially for like a, a more strategic thinky euro yeah um, you know you're always getting in each other's way or you know um or using other people's roads or other people's buildings um and sort of reacting to them um, and not just out on the board, but also with the the card mechanics. Um, so it plays a little. It's I, I like to call it like a combination of like Puerto Rico and Concordia, where you mm-hmm. sort of have this hand of cards and you're playing a hand a, a card from your hand to take an action, um, like Concordia. But like Puerto Rico, like when you do an action, everyone else at the table will get to follow your action. Yeah, yeah. Um, and okay. do like a lesser version of that. Um, and so there's also a lot of player interaction there where you're constantly trying to like, you know, figure out like what other people are going to do, um, 
you know, and how you can take advantage of that. I mean, one of the things I see about euros are one of the f- one of the things that can often kind of make a, a euro kind of lessen, to, you know, lessen it is the lack of kind of interactivity. Right. Sometimes in games is what you're doing is you're building your own little engine and the only interaction you have with a player is who's going to get the resource kind of first and then that'll have yeah. an effect on your game. But apart from that, I mean, I've seen it with, um, I've seen it with PowerGrid on occasion. I've seen it terraforming Mars. <laughs> I've seen yeah. that kind of have an effect on people as well. So was that was it important to you to make sure you had that level of kind of ongoing cause and effect interactivity when people were playing as opposed to here's my land, here's your land, let's see what happens and let's see who gets the more kind of points then. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd say that player interaction is is important in hmm. in any game you're playing. I mean, otherwise you know, just why aren't you just playing it by yourself? Like you're you're yeah. playing a game at a table with a group of people to interact with them, and so yeah. you know, um, the more interaction, the better usually. <laughs> <laughs> and if people want to um, um, get hold of the game, it's is it fifth? Is it fifty five dollars? Is it going um, for right or wrong? No, it's just fifty. Fifty dollars. All right. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Okay. So you can still jump in, and you said that the. Um, the kind of the the late backers can still get in. Are you saying kind of middle? Is it middle December? Are you looking into January now before you're shutting, kind of closing things off? Yeah, uh, yeah. When we had talked before, I was I was thinking about uh, cutting off in December, but then I yeah. I sort of realized that I was printing out printing off lots of copies, and I didn't really need to know like an exact count before we started mm-hmm. going to the printers, so we could leave it open for another month or so until we actually have to start shipping them out so okay. yeah it'll probably be open until january cool <clears throat> okay what's next for you i mean you are the you know you have done the classic you have you know you've stormed you've stormed <laughs> kickstarter for you've made it your own you have produced you know several well-funded kickstarters i mean what's next for 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 isaac childress i mean is I mean, have you? Because you're a you're a you're a, you're a physicist for your day job, yeah. Um, Is that correct? Well, I went now... to grad school in physics, okay. and I got a PhD, uh, but okay. I never actually like held a real job in physics. All right. Uh, okay. So after I graduated, I immediately just started working on uh, Gloomhaven full time, which oh, was okay. about three three years ago. Yeah. So you're full time. Okay, okay, okay. It's just you saying I'm a physicist. It was like that ah, cool. <laughs> just wondering what else it does, and it's like no, I'm actually a board game designer. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, I have a PhD I, in physics. I'm technically a physicist, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I also have I a degree lost. in journalism, so maybe I'm a journalist as well. I don't know. Maybe. Oh no, that means you're going to write stuff about me, and that could be bad. But is there a time? Have you thought about kind of just saying, do you know what? Next game is going to be a casual fun game about um, dolphins trying to catch fish, kind of thing, you know. Or is there a casual game that you thought about putting out there and doing something completely different? Or are you still interested in kind of going down the Euro route to see what else is out there? Yeah, I mean anything is possible. Um, but yeah, the the rule is just to to do what I want to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. So yeah, um, I mean, my plans are to like I'm working on you know the expansion for Gloomhaven right now because that's what I yeah, want to do. Yeah. I want to sort of okay. go back to that and make 
more scenarios and uh, create a whole new campaign that people are going to be excited about. Uh, and then, you know, who knows what will happen after that. <laughs> I might just move on to something else. You might get um, you might get those computer games up and running again. <laughs> Maybe we might actually see the robot game out in there. That would be kind of cool. Hey, you could turn the robot game into a miniature board game. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of calculation, like behind the scenes calculation. Ah, there. right. Okay. Well, we'll have to. Scrap I think it would be too much math for for a good board game. <laughs> uh, cool, cool. Um, I am aware I've taken up an awful lot of your time so i appreciate that um um i yeah i kind of appreciate you kind of coming on and um only i mean i i do ask this of everybody but i mean um if you were stuck in the zombie apocalypse all right and you're running down the street away from the undead with their graying and fleeing limbs Screaming at you as you run past and you go into an alleyway and you run down the alleyway and you notice on the right hand side there's a slightly open door so hearing the 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 hunger of the undead behind you, you run inside the door, you slam the door behind you and you find yourself what appears to be a huge, rather well stocked board game emporium, okay? All right. It seems to have everything available. It's got first editions of games, second editions of games. It's got every expansion you could ever dream of. In the middle of the floor, there appears to be like a trolley that appears to be very fast, very manoeuvrable, but has a rather smallish kind of tray. You're able to take three games with you to continue on your journey. You can take any games at all. They can be of any year, any genre, and you can have as many expansions as you want. But you can only take three. Now, you'll be going into communities and you'll be meeting single people on the way, trying to get their way home. You'll be going into communities where you can... But the main thing is that the question, would you like to play a board game, the answer is always going to be a resounding yes. (laughs) What... what three board games do you take with you in the zombie apocalypse, Mr. Isaac Childress? Well, I'm trying to figure out what the zombie apocalypse, uh, what its relevance is. So, like, uh, <laughs> do I, I mean, do I need these games uh, to, to fend off the zombies in any way? Like, no. should I be looking for sharp objects? No. Okay. So, no, really, it could, be, it could be any sort of apocalypse. It could be uh, an apocalypse. It could be a chicken apocalypse. It okay. could be. It could be. You know, a herd of foul weather has caused all the chickens to mutate, and want thirst on human blood, and place revenge for their brothers and sisters that have been slaughtered over the years for the poultry and egg trade. Um, they are <laughs> they're trotting, <laughs> trotting about the street, pecking to death anyone that gets along their way. You. <laughs> I've managed to go down an alleyway where on the right hand side there's an open door. Upon going into the door you're in an emporium. And guess what? There's a red trolley in the middle of the floor and there's all the board games and all the expansions in the middle. Isaac, what three games do you take? <laughs> okay, but I still don't need to kill the chickens. Like I don't need You don't board have games. to kill no one, no, it's fine. <laughs> but you just want to have the board games. Right. Okay. Isaac, okay. if you could have any three game board games, what board games you have, regardless of the apocalypse, right? Okay. Uh yes. So I mean, number one, I, I mean, I don't want to be self-promoting, but I would definitely take Gloomhaven. 
um, not just not just because it would offer countless hours of entertainment, but but also because um, you could sleep in it. <laughs> yeah, it would certainly have practical uses. Um, no, no, but also because like it would uh, allow me to, you know, continue my creative process. Like because oh, okay. um, the the box of Gloomhaven. Uh, is is the ideal game to have when you're prototyping for making like expansions to Gloomhaven? Yeah, but I can just imagine you going back to that same store in 15 years, and you've got a long flowing beard, and you've got like worn down fingers, and you've got a pencil in your hand, and you're going through all the cards that you wanted to change to rebalance the game, and you're <laughs> scoring things out on every single available copy and writing in the correct stuff kind of thing. But you can take Blue Gloomhaven, so we'll lock, you know, Vanessa will lock that down. Um, next game. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. You, you could take Terra Mystica to annoy Rob. <laughs> well, yeah, so it's going to be... It's going to be Terra Mystica or Gaia Project, and All right, okay. I I'm not sure which one. I I've only played Gaia Project twice, mm-hmm. and I think it might be a better game. Mm-hmm. But there's just so much nostalgia for Terra Mystica, so it's it's hard to decide. But you don't need both of them, so you only need to take one. I think I think I would take Gaia Project. I think I I have faith. That it is a good game, and the more I play it, and obviously I would be getting lots of opportunities to play it in the Chicken Apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I would take I think I would take Gaia Projects over Terra Mystica. And um, the last last game. Last game. This is the doozy. The chickens are at the door. They're pecking on the glass. They're think, staring at you with their dead eyes. I think I would need to take something that would appeal to a larger group of people. You know, like okay. You know, if yeah, you know, obviously I would want to play Gaia Project, but maybe not everybody else will want to play Gaia Project. Well, no, they'll be happy to play it. You know, they'll just be they'll be glad. If you want to take that one, you can take that one as well. No, no. So, yeah. um, no, no. It's a lighter game. I mean, you know, because you're not always feeling like a heavy game. So I, I would want something lighter. I'm trying okay. to think of like what my ideal light <laughs> game is. There's a tink- there's a tinkle of glass as one of the beaks oh, manages to okay. break through. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm I might I don't know I'm gonna go with masquerade. There you go. Okay. <laughs> so uh, masquerade. Yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite party game. games. It's very. Uh, it's a. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just a, a great game where. It's not always about bluffing, but it's also about actually paying attention and, and trying to figure out where where the roles are. Yeah, okay. we'll go Masquerade. <laughs> excellent, excellent. That's brilliant. Um, <laughs> the chicken apocalypse. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I've never been asked, well, what's, what's the point of this? This doesn't have any effect. Why didn't you just say I walked into a board game store? Because the zombie <laughs> thing was meant to be fun. <laughs> I didn't realize I'd have to be defending my well, own I, idea. I just wanted to know the rules. I want to know the parameters of my choices. Ah, of, course if I needed, <laughs> of course you did. If I needed to take Gloomhaven so I could bash zombies <laughs> over the head. I mean, the expansion, are You, we've got one last. Michael Keith Bennett says, um, what format do you see the anticipated box expansion for Gloomhaven taking? Adding new classes, expanding cards, options for existing classes, expanding current quest content, or branching off with brand new story arcs. Is it a bit of everything? 
uh right yeah it's a bit of everything sorry i might have missed the question in there but but yeah the expansion is going to be everything uh it, it won't be standalone so you'll you'll still need the original box and all the components in there because uh uh my main goal is to reduce the size of the box like i don't want to i don't want to manufacture another box the size of gloomhaven so so okay. we're gonna we're gonna decrease the size by reusing components excellent okay listen thank you very very much for coming on um this has yeah. been this has been a lot of fun yeah, and we did great. end up we did end up speaking about Gloomhaven, but it's all it's all kind of good. Um, where can people find you on the interweb net, Mister Childress? Um, I use uh, Twitter occasionally. It's just at Cephalofair, and mm-hmm. um, you can go to my website cephalofair dot com, uh, mm-hmm. where I write a blog post. Every mm-hmm. couple weeks, let's say. I don't know. It just mm-hmm. depends on how I'm feeling and how much time I have. But okay. usually they're entertaining. They're good reads. So you can check that out. Um, or just, uh, you know, I'm on Board Game Geek a lot as well. Okay. Just I'm Cephal Affair cool. on Board Game Geek. Just where, wherever you are, just type in Cephal Affair and uh, there I'll be. Where's that from? Where's Cephal Affair from? Uh, it's just a made-up word. Um, that kind of sounds like a real word, and I th- I thought it was a real word, and then I realized that it wasn't a real word. Well, that's good enough a reason for using a made-up word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the short story. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Um, if you want to keep an eye on what we're doing, and uh, thank you for joining us this evening, um, and if you're listening for the first time, then... If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find us on We're Not Wizards. If you want to find us on Facebook, it's We're Not Wizards. If you want to... You can subscribe to us on YouTube because our fabulous podcast hosts, Podbean, automatically put our podcast on YouTube. Um, if you want to find it the traditional way, just search for We're Not Wizards Tabletop Podcast and you shall find us there. You can find us on all the usual places, um, all your normal podcast catchers. Um, if you want to email us, you can email us magic at we'renotwizards.com. I am aware of the irony. Uh, I intended that when I picked the <laughs> picked the email address, um, but if you you can find us on Acast and Stitcher and Spreaker and Podknife, and you can obviously find us on Apple Podcasts. If you've liked what you heard tonight, we we interview wonderful people like Isaac. We um, interview a lot of Kickstarter creators. We get designers on. We get con- other content creators on a regular basis. So please, um, this is the beggy bit when you say, please subscribe to our podcasts through the Apple Podcasts thingy. Um, If you really like what you've heard, um, then consider dropping us a rating or a review. And as we say, um, if you are going to drop us a rating or a review, don't give us a 10, because that'll make us big-headed. But don't give (laughs) us a 1, because that'll make us cry. Give us a 5, because it's in the middle, and it's average. And we are, we're just a little bit average. Um, but the person who's, <laughs> person who's not being average tonight is um, the rather wonderful Mr. Isaac Childress. So again, thank you again for coming on. Yeah, um, my pleasure. And there's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. I'm not a wizard. Definitely not. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Isaac. Bye. Goodbye, Isaac. 
and it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes. Um, if Keep an eye out on this Gloomhaven because it seems to be just growing at a rate of knots. And remember, if you have missed out on being a fighter, you might want to be a founder. So check out their website and you can jump in and create a little um, a little city on the world of Bob of your own. <laughs> <laughs> but until the next time, goodbye.